This passage that Ruth just read for us uh, is in Acts 14, and we're going through a series, as you guys know, through, through Acts called the Book of Acts, and the idea is that it's not just a book of Acts, it actually becomes a life of Acts in your life and my life in our worlds. And um, what we're learning, we put into practice in our own context. That's the hope of tonight as well. And the last two chapters, well, this, this chapter 14 and chapter 13 um, are actually the two chapters that speak about the first missionary uh, outreach in the New Testament um, after Pentecost. Uh, there were a couple of missionary outreaches before that. Jesus sent out his disciples to do things and the 72 to do things. But here is Paul and Barnabas, and they were sent by, do you remember who they were sent by? The Holy Spirit. In chapter 13, verse 1 to 4, we see a meeting takes place. Disciples are worshipping God, and they're fasting and praying. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. And they were commissioned. And they were commissioned by the disciples in that church in Antioch in Syria to go and preach the gospel and minister to the, to the surrounding area. And these two chapters, 13 and 14, actually make up, make up two years' time of ministry. And we just read, you can just read those two chapters in about two minutes if you're really good at reading. And it's two years of ministry. That's a lot of hard work. And there's a lot of details that we don't get in our Bibles. And I was thinking about preparing for this Sunday tonight, uh, looking at chapter 14. I could probably split it up into a couple of sermons, but I thought I'll just condense it all into one, which is why, you know, I was making a joke about making a long sermon. But I'm not going to. All right. Who loves a good promise from, from the Lord? Yeah. Standing, that was an old hymn, Standing on the Promises of God. Standing on the Promises. And my father-in-law used to sing, uh, sometimes people would be singing Standing on the Premises because that's all they do. They just come to church and they stand on the premises and they don't take it seriously that when God makes a promise, it's actually worthy, worth, worth your while and mine to actually stand on that and to trust him even in the midst of it all. So there's a lot of promises in the Bible, aren't there? Maybe, um, I don't know, let's just feel free. Call out one promise from the Bible, if you'd like to. Some promise that you've, you've really loved. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yeah, fantastic promise. Thank you, Lord. Promise of eternal life. Absolute. Fantastic promise. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall, so I shall lack nothing. That's a promise, but it's conditional if he's your shepherd. All right, yep. What about Jeremiah 29, 11? Anyone know that one? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And Sonia can help you out with verse 12 and 13 afterwards because they're very, very important in that context. But I love promises. I love when Jesus makes a promise. Like he said, uh, he said to the disciples, go and, go and make disciples, right? But then he says, I will be with you to the very end of the age. That's fantastic. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If you're set free through Jesus, you are free indeed. So I want to keep your, keep your finger or your screen. I don't know if you can do that on your phones, you, you people on, with your uh, tablets and things, but uh, I'm just going to flick over 
<laughs> to a wonderful promise, another promise of, of Jesus. All right, and it's in uh, John 14. And it's, um, sorry, John 16. And it's a fantastic promise. Here it is. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise. That's it. Thanks, Jesus. But you know what? That's just the cheese of the sandwich. This is a sandwich promise. If you've got your Bibles, you can see it yourself. John 16, verse 33. He's talking to his disciples, and it's the last night that he is spending on earth before his death on the cross and his resurrection. And he's with his disciples. Judas is not there. He's in the upper room, and he's just shared the meal that we just shared before, part of it a little bit. Uh, and he says to them, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. There's a promise. In this world you will have trouble, there's the promise. But take heart, I've overcome the world. It's a sandwich promise. One piece of bread is, in me you may have peace. And the other piece of bread is, take heart, I've overcome the world. But the meat in the sandwich or the cheese, in the, I like cheese sandwiches, the cheese is in this world, you will have trouble. Now, I don't know, sometimes when I hear the gospel preached on telly, you know, sometimes you hear people on telly in those, on those Sunday morning, who gets up early on Sunday morning to listen to someone preaching something? Or you've been to crusades or, or meetings and you've heard someone share the gospel and it's fantastic, I love the gospel. But it's very rarely you'll hear someone say, okay, if anyone would like to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, before you come up the front and receive him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you're going to suffer because you follow him. You don't hear it much because it doesn't sound nice. It doesn't sound tasty. It actually is true, but it's not something that everyone likes to hear. And I want to tell you that tonight and make the just bring that promise of Jesus back into the room in this world you will have trouble he said this in uh here's another promise in Matthew chapter 5 uh who wants to be blessed anyone want to be blessed tonight yeah I want who wants their neighbors to be blessed or their family to be blessed who wants their church friends to be blessed yes me too in Matthew chapter 5 and uh, verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Ouch. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were who were before you. All right, let's go back to chapter 14 of Acts. Here's the sermon. It's called The Normal Christian Life. Guess how hard it is to find a yo-yo these days in the shops. But that's the, that's the normal Christian life. 
it's like a yo-yo. It's the best thing I could describe. All right, everyone hold your thumbs up. Can everyone got thumbs with them tonight? All right, so this means, this means good, just one thumb. This means very good, two thumbs. This means bad, and this means very bad, all right? And this is, oh, I'm not sure, all right? All right, verse one of chapter 14. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. Good or bad? Very good. Great number. Believed. Awesome. That's the point. But, <laughs> here's a, that's a clue. The Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Good or bad? Very bad or just bad? Very bad. Okay. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Good? Isn't it great? Isn't it awesome? Miraculous signs and wonders. Wouldn't it be great if we saw some miraculous signs and wonders in this room tonight to back up the word of the gospel, the, the message of God's grace? Because I know there's some signs and wonders that are waiting to happen in this room in people's lives. And isn't it good news? That's great news. And what they do there, the disciples, the apostles, Paul and Barnabas, they spend time there speaking boldly for the Lord. I am, um, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you tonight. I'm old. Yeah, I know, I know some of you don't think that I am, but there is actually, there is, I think there's a benchmark that you know you're old when, all right? The other day I went out to my garden and I noticed there's some weeds underneath the passion fruit vine. And I like passion fruit, but I don't like weeds. So guess what I did? I got down on my knees and I just started pulling out weeds and grass and all sorts of stuff that weren't passion fruit vine. And I felt so good about it. Old. <laughs> yeah. Gardening makes me feel good. Therefore, I am old. But here. Oh, yeah. That's right. I, could have, I was stuck on the floor. Anyway, what, what these guys do here in verse 3, Paul and Barnabas, they spend time there picking out weeds. You see, they've sown the message of the gospel in the synagogue. They preached the word. Great number of people believed. And then some other people have come in and they've stirred up the Gentiles and they've poisoned their minds, it says, which is not really good, right? So there's weeds being sown. There's other messages being sown. There's, you know, God's not really a God of grace. He doesn't really love you as if he's going to just forgive you if you just believe and have faith, you know, that sort of message. And so Paul and Barnabas are picking out the weeds, right? Verse three. All right. So that's good. Verse four. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. Good or bad? Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. Midley. Good to Midley? Yeah, okay. All right, we're happy. It's okay. You know, sometimes in life, there's parts like that in your Christian life. It's not good. It's not bad. It's kind of indifferent. And it's okay. You know, we can manage. Verse 5. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them, Paul and Barnabas, and stone them. That does not mean give them drugs. That means throw stones at them. 
Good or bad? Bad, all right, good. I want some reactions, that's good. Very bad, right? Very bad to be stoned. That means they're gonna kill them, all right? Verse six, but Paul and Barnabas found out about it and fled to Lyconian cities of Lystra, Derb, and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. Yeah, with thumbs up, that's fantastic. Fantastic, this is good. In Lystra, there sat a, crippled, a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. Good news or bad news? Poor guy. Yeah, bad news for him. Absolutely. Poor guy. But he was there in the room, right? Poor guy. Verse 9, he listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Thumbs up, everybody. Come on. Come on. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language. That's what it would have sounded like to Paul. He had no idea what they were saying. But they were all happy and excited, right? Notice that Luke writes that there for us in Acts. He says, they all shouted in the Lyconian language. The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Is that good or bad? It's pretty bad, but they don't realize that it's bad. Paul and Barnabas are there. They've just preached a message, seen a guy get healed walking, and all of a sudden everyone's happy. Makes sense, doesn't it? You see someone get healed, everyone's happy. And they're shouting in their own language, all right? Turns out, verse 13, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. This is a barbecue. This is just a barbecue after the service. This is great. Who likes a good steak? Sorry, anyone here who's vego, vegetarian, sorry, but I love steak. It's just so expensive now, isn't it? A bummer. Anyway, mince is all it is at the moment. Anyway, they bring the, they bring the, to offer sacrifice. And then in verse 14, the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this. They tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from those, these worthless things to the living God. I think that's really, really cool that Paul and Barnabas do that. But I also just want to notice, want you to notice in your Bibles how it says in verse 14, and also earlier on we noticed it as well, it mentions that Paul and Barnabas are the apostles. Apostles. Not just Paul the apostle and his mate Barnabas. They're apostles. They're both of them. Both of them are sent apostles. I used to think, I used to be one of these people that thought there was only 12 apostles. Until I realized that Judas didn't go all the way. So then there was 11 apostles. And then in Acts chapter 1, I think it is, or chapter 2, the um, disciples, the, the 11, choose another guy. Anyone know what his name is? Matthias. Matthias. Don't hear about him for the rest of this book of Acts. 
but he's chosen by the apostles as, a, as an apostle. And then it's, we see that Jesus comes and meets Saul on the road to Damascus, and he's sent as an apostle. You know, the word apostle means sent one. That's what it means, sent one. And so here, here are Paul and Barnabas on this mission to the, uh, to the, to the Galatian area where there's just non-Jewish people. All right, obviously, they're worshipping um, gods like Zeus and Hermes. Um, but they're sent, they're sent ones. They're sent by who? The Holy Spirit. And they hear about the fact that as, as he shares this message, as he's speaking, these, the crowd get excited, but they want to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, as if Paul and Barnabas are anything special. And what does Paul say? We're just like you. We're nothing special. We're just like you. We are actually exactly like you. And we're declaring to you the good news that we ourselves have heard. I've heard it said this way about sharing the gospel. Any evangelists in the room? Now, don't put your hand up. But we all have a privilege of sharing the gospel with people. Being evangelists, in a sense. Making disciples. It's, I've heard it said this way. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. You know, all of us need God's amazing grace. All of us at one stage in our life possibly have heard that message of grace and responded with faith in that message of grace, God's grace through Jesus. And we've responded by believing it and just believing it. We find life in his name, eternity, that promise of eternity in our hearts through his Holy Spirit. And Paul and Barnabas are so upset with the fact that these people in this town of Lystra think that they are gods, all the while they're trying to lead them to the real God. And he shares with them this truth. He says, men, why are you doing this? We're just like you, all right? We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet it was not left himself, sorry, he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Remember who he's talking to here? He's not in a synagogue talking to Jewish people. So he's not using terminology like Messiah. He's not using terminology like sin or repentance. He's actually talking to people who have no background with the Jewish faith and the history of the Bible. And he's, and he's talking to them about God in their terms. Notice how he does it. He, he uses creation. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The stars proclaim his handiwork. Hands up who saw the red moon this last week. Tuesday night. Did you see it? Oh, there was a blood moon. It was a, 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 is it a lunar eclipse? So basically the moon is where it is and the sun is where it is and the earth was right in the middle of them both. So the light from the sun was hitting the earth and the earth cast its shadow over the whole moon. 
And because of the atmosphere around the Earth, it makes it look red on the moon. It was beautiful. And you know what I noticed? We actually noticed it when we went out for dinner on Tuesday night to um, some friends of ours. And when I got back, the kids were in bed. So I got them and I said, come out, come and have a look at this. They thought that was great. Got them out of bed. Come and check out this. And they, we looked at the moon. There's a few of us outside looking at the moon. And you know what else we noticed? When we were looking at the moon, we noticed the stars. Because it was so dark outside, the stars were so bright. We also saw satellites, lots of satellites flying around. You seen a satellite before? They're not made by God. But the stars are, and the moon is, you are, I am, this earth is. And these people that Paul and Barnabas are talking to, they can see the rain coming down, the seasons. How does it all work? There must be a purpose behind it all. There must be a creator somewhere. Do you know, we, we live in Pakenham, and the religions in Pakenham, there's quite a number of religions in Pakenham. Now, I've noticed, and you have too, there are some people in our community that dress different. The men have beards, big beards, and they wear a turban on their head. You've seen them? All right, the Sikh community, Sikh community. They believe in a creator, God. They believe in one God. They don't, they don't believe in like multiple gods. They believe in one God who's a creator. We can start there if we're talking with them about our faith. Common ground. They believe in a creator who's created everything. And we can say, you know what? The Bible says that God created heavens and earth. In fact, the Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and that's Jesus. You can use other terminology, but my point is the gospel isn't just this formula that's going to work everywhere you go. Now, I loved it. A few weeks ago, we had Stu Miller here sharing with us about the gospel, about evangelism. And he shared with us the little app, the G7 app. I think it's fantastic. That's a great formula, but it's only a tool that we can use to help us to share the message of the gospel. Sometimes the method needs to change, but the message doesn't change. We're all sinners. We're all in need of grace. And grace is only given by God through Jesus Christ. And forgiveness is only found in Jesus Christ as we put our trust in him. Paul shares this message with these people, right? That's good. That's good. But then in verse 18, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Is that thumbs up or thumbs down? It's thumbs down. Sometimes it just doesn't work. They shared the gospel, they did all they could, and it just didn't, didn't work. Oh well. Then some Jews came from Antioch, verse 19, and Iconium, and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. Good or bad? Bad, yeah. But after the disciples had gathered him around him, he got up and went back into the city. Good or bad? I think it's crazy. I Look, I'd love to meet Paul because he, he did some crazy things. He was a very tough individual. He might, he might have been a short guy. He might not have been tough on the outside, but he was tough. He went places. He did stuff. He wasn't afraid. Anyway. Good or bad, I don't know, but it's crazy. The next day, though, he and Barnabas left for Derb, Derby. Verse 21. Now, we haven't looked at these verses yet, and I will look at it really briefly now. 
They preached the good news in that city in Derby and won a large number of disciples. Good or bad? That's good. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch. Now they're the towns that they had preached the gospel to and made little churches. So they visited them again. That's lovely. That's nice. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Isn't that great? True to the faith. That's what, that's what being a Christian is really all about. The normal Christian life is the faith. It is your faith in him every single day of your life. In fact, you know what? You don't own yesterday and you don't own tomorrow. You have today. You and I have a responsibility today to, to steward what we do in today. We won't get it again. And we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> We've all been through COVID. We know that. <laughs> anyway. So they encouraged these other believers that they had made disciples in these other little towns. And they, they went back through those towns to see how they were doing. Now, like I said before, I'm old because I like pulling out weeds and it brings me satisfaction. I actually enjoy gardening. I'll show you pictures of my figs and my blueberries that are green berries at the moment. I love it. I'm, I'm still learning on potatoes, like good potatoes, but I love gardening. Now, anyone here ever planted a plant from a seed? All right, so I've done that before too. And now you would know, as well as everyone else in the room, that when you put the seed, you put it underneath the ground, you cover it over with dirt, and then you might water it. And then do you just stand there and watch it? Do you just wait, see if something happens? You don't, do you? You go on to the next one, or you go, you do your life, you know, you make dinner, brush your teeth, go to work. No one just stands looking at dirt waiting for the seed to germinate into a plant. But it does eventually come up. And every so often you'll go out and check that to see if it's coming up, right? Isn't it exciting when you see that first little sprout come up? It's like so tiny. It's not even producing fruit for you at all or anything. But it's, it's hope for something coming. But do you just stay there and watch it grow? No, you just check it. Every so often you go back and check it. And this is what they're doing. The disciples, they're going into this, these towns and they're going, hey, how you guys going? We know about the Jewish religious people that persecute you because of what you believe. How you doing? And they encourage them. You know how they encourage them? Exactly the same way we should be encouraging each other. Have a look in your Bibles. You can see it for yourself. It says in verse 22, they encourage them with these words. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Woo! Pep talk. Who's pumped? <laughs> that message is missing from church. You know why I think it's really important that it stays in church? Because when hardship comes, because you're a believer, I've seen people say, you know what? Jesus never worked for me. I trusted him. I put my faith in him. And then bad things happened in my life and it never worked. And they walked away. Why? Because they didn't hear the actual message that when you put your trust in Jesus, it's hard. It's hard work. The normal Christian life is not a bed of roses. I actually had this song in my head. I can't remember the name of the lady who wrote it, but you're going to have to YouTube it. It's super corny. 
But it's this song, and some of you might be able to finish it for me. The chorus goes like this. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine. There's got to be a little rain sometimes. I think that's how it goes. It's pretty sad that I remembered that. But you watch the video clip on you, it's classic. It's probably from the 20s, I'm not sure. But that's what, basically, I wonder if Jesus is actually saying that, you know, to, to you. And I know he does it to me. So many times I go through life and it's hard. He's like, I never promised you a rose garden. I never actually promised that when you put your faith in me, everything's just going to go according to your plan, Ian. Everything's going to be perfect. You know what? There's going to be no pain. Everyone's going to love you. Everyone's going to, it's going to be awesome. It's not like that at all. You guys know that, right? It's a normal Christian life. It's a yo-yo. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in that place, in those places. They left them with leadership. And they left them with leadership through prayer and fasting. And they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their own trust. Verse 24, after going through Pisidia, they came into a town called Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, then they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So now they've finished their race, their, their first missionary journey. They've gone back to the place that sent them off. They've gone home again. After the, mass, the two years are up, they've gone home again. And arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported to them all that they had done and how awesome they were. What does your Bible say? doesn't say that. It says they reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. The normal Christian life is full of ups and downs, but it's all about God. It's all about faith in him. And it's all about him opening the doors ahead. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And that's really good news, isn't it? That's good. Good finish. Good finish. No one died. Thumbs up on that. But yeah, that's the, that's the message for tonight. That, you know, you might be going through some tough things in life. You know, and it's easy, isn't it, to blame God or to complain or, or think, you know, I thought God was in this, you know. But here's, here's what I learned. Um, not just that song. <laughs> he never promised me a rose garden. But... There's three things I can do and you can do too, all right? You can take these three home. They're pretty easy to remember. Whenever, whenever you wake up in the morning and you're following Jesus, this is what you do. You love God, you love others, and you make disciples. That's it. Bad stuff happens to everyone. But if it, you know, it, throughout those two chapters, 13 and 14, those disciples, those apostles, Paul and Barnabas, never stopped loving God, loving others, and making disciples. Why? Because they are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit just to bless each one of us here, Lord, tonight. Empower us, Lord God. Strengthen us, God, to be under your influence this week, that people will see you in us. Lord, help us to be sensitive to the people around us and help us to share you with the people around us. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.